broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 Anajar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks with Brent Martineau. We know that the off-the-field situation with Watson is what it is. You just don't know what the situation is. I really have an issue looking at the Cleveland Browns and thinking that if they do lose Watson for a while, you could be wasting a season by not getting another upgrade at the backup quarterback position. And that's why if I'm the Browns in this scenario, I have to be looking hard at Jimmy Garoppolo, hopefully not in a trade, but after he gets released, because he's going to get released. Jimmy G. That crazy that he's still with the 49ers yeah. after all this time. Uh, so John Chipper put this out earlier today, and it uh, got me thinking, Christian Kirk is a fascinating offseason topic for the Jags. Did you see, uh, I guess, like Bet Online? Well, I've probably got this email, too, because <laughs> I get a lot of their stuff. And I'm actually going to share something really interesting with you from Bet Online that I just got. Uh, but as it relates to Christian Kirk, over-unders for the year, receptions at 67 and a half. Over. Slam it. Like, better be, right? Better be. Good answer. Yeah, uh, I'm slamming that 100%. Like, Marvin, that's a Jones, number. Marvin Jones had 80 catches last year, I think. Yeah. Does that sound right? right? Yeah. Receiving yards, 839 and a half. Yeah, I'm going over. Again, you're talking about, uh, let me just do some quick math here for us all. Uh, which, and by me saying, let me do some quick math. Let the let calculator. See how quick I can type into a calculator. That's 49 yards a game. I hope so. 49 yards a game. We got a serious problem if not. I mean, he better be over that. Right? I mean, assuming he stays healthy now. Sure. But, yeah. Yeah, no, you got to, right? That, that That's who they signed as wide receiver one. Doesn't matter where he lines up on the field. That's still wide receiver one. So, yeah, we're going to need 834 and 60 whatever. And touchdowns four and a half. I don't know. I'm not touching that. I just, I don't know. I mean, I just think, well, let's just say this. The Jacks have disappointed in a lot of different areas for a lot of different years, right? So, mm-hmm. like, I, I have a I have a hard time sitting here saying, oh, yeah, these guys are stupid. No, every time we say that about, like, any, like, betting line or national media pundit that says the Jags might win two and a half games, like, they end up being right. Yeah. And so I, I can't say, like, this is absurd. But it does seem absurd. Again, if you do the math on that, uh, I can do this without the calculator. I mean, it comes down. That's like four catches a game for 50 yards and one touchdown every month. Yeah. But I would imagine if we saw this similar last year on LaVisca, you'd be like, yep, hammer it. Well, yeah, but I will say this about LaVisca. LaVisca, I think, was four and a half touchdowns. You would have took the over. I probably would have on a positive way. He had five in his rookie year. He had 600 yards, I think, and 60 catches in his rookie year. Maybe not the yards. I, I was thinking more of the touchdowns. I guarantee I would have bet the over. Probably. I mean, listen, to be honest have. with you, it's hard, to, it's hard to just throw 12 touchdowns like Trevor did. I mean, right. it's hard to do in today's day and age. It's really difficult, I think. It feels difficult. Although we did the numbers on this before, and a lot of quarterbacks are right around like the 23-24 touchdown mark this year. Now, it felt like everybody would be in the 30s, but it really wasn't that true. So, uh, I think, yeah, I think the five touchdowns, I would go over on all this stuff, and I think a little bit of that's, gosh, I hope that's the case, you know? 
I mean, that is, that's not going to be pretty if any of these numbers are below. Now, touchdowns are a little goofy sometimes. So you could have, I mean, he could end up with 78 catches for 1,000 yards and four touchdowns. And you might feel okay about that, right? Uh, maybe if, as long as other people are scoring and touching the ball and maybe ETN becomes a touchdown machine this year, whatever it might be. So there could be reasons for that. But I really get stuck on the 68 catches, 67 and a half for this conversation, and like not even 900 yards. I mean, yeah. he has to do that. Like he has to set career highs. I mean, like that's you, what he's been asked to do. That's what yeah. he came here to do. Yeah, if you're going to sign somebody on the potential – Right, you're going to sign somebody that hasn't gone over a thousand yards on the potential that he can. We're going to need him to. But yeah, I eight, think. that's such a low. The eight, whatever, is such a low number. Now, again, I will say this about the Jags. Let's do this from a like a real quick. I was trying not to talk too much Jags because we're going to talk so much Jags, but I, I like this. And um, the let's take their offense. Let's say Trevor throws for thirty-eight hundred yards. Which is a reasonable number, 17 games. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to say 30. I'm not even going to get him into the 4,000 plateau. What did he throw last year? Like 3,500? Yeah. Something like that? It was close to that. Let's just take 4,000 then. Let's take the even number of 4,000. 4K. That's fair, right? Yeah. And uh, everything's in 4K these days. Amen, brother. Um, and, and so now you've got Marvin Jones, you've got Zay Jones, you've got LaVisca, and you've got Kirk, and you have Ingram, and you have Arnold, and you have ETN. I'm going to keep Robinson out of this from the passing game. I don't think he'll catch as many balls, maybe sprinkle a couple hundred yards. Uh, and then you got guys like Treadwell who clean up a little bit, right? So I don't foresee the way LaVisca's performed. I don't think everybody's bullish on him going to have another 60-catch, 600-yard season. I don't think that's going to happen. But he could end up with like a 400-yard season or something. So now we've got 3,600 yards left to play with. Marvin Jones is seemingly good for 800 yards like every year of his career. Yes. All right, we've got 2,800 yards left to play with. Uh, Zay Jones, you signed him to probably get seven or 800 yards, right? All right, so what do we got? Six at a minimum. So let's we'll give him seven, and we got 2,100 yards left to play with. And Evan Ingram's going to be a target, I would think, between both tight ends. They're going to have six, 700 yards, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're down to like 1,400. And then what does ETN have? Maybe 400, and that leaves 1,000 for Kirk. So we did it. We did do it. That was good. Look at us. I think we did it. Math. I'm I, betting it right now. You talked me into it. We did it on the fly. Like, I think that's reasonable, and that's with nobody going off. Yeah. Like, that's like just... And I think there's a chance, like, not a chance. I think there's a high possibility Marvin's better because, as we knew going in, when there's another option to Marvin Jones, he's a great two. No shot at him. He's a great two. Yeah. He's always been a great oh, two. Oh, yeah, yeah. So if Kirk becomes the one and you have Marvin as a great two, now you might look closer to 1,000 for Marvin, hopefully closer to 1,000 for Kirk, and then everybody goes up. And then we're at, like, 4,200 yards. And then we're losing our minds every Monday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, Dan Arnold, by the way, with the Cardinals, had 438 yards. He had 400 yards last year with the Panthers and Jags, and he only, I mean, he missed like the yeah, last hurt. five games. Yes. So, and we had, um, I mean, and I just had those guys for seven, 800 yards, like combined. Manhurts. And man, yeah, Manhurts ain't going to catch scored too the much. touchdown. But Arnold and, Arnold and Ingram could easily have over 1,000 yards combined. They should. Ingram prop, yes, they should. But I under I was conservative. I think I said 700, 800 yards, something like that. And, and Four or five between, yeah, agreed. So, yeah, this is without anybody doing anything like, holy wow, mm-hmm. you know? And Which is on the table. For a guy like Evan Ingram, is on the table. Yeah, I think Christian Kirk, based on the nature of what they brought him in here to do, should accidentally get 1,000 yards receiving. 
and and maybe it's 988, you know, whatever, but it should be right around 1,000 yards. Like, it should be accidental. We have a 17th game season now. And so, again, given health and understandingly so, it's the NFL, and so all the players I just named might not be completely healthy and play in 17 games. I get it. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, we're working with about a 4,000-yard total of yards, which is, again, very reasonable, I believe. I don't think that's, like, far-fetched and... Like, that's not Trevor doing anything like... It's reasonable. A quarterback doesn't do in today's NFL. Yeah. He had 36-40 in a bad year last year. Yeah. Like, he's going to have 4,000 yards throwing. And they're going to be in more games. Dudes are going to catch more balls. And you are going to get blown out occasionally, which does help. So, yeah, it's pretty fascinating. One other thing i got to share with you about... Uh, I'll, I'll wait on the bet online. Um, uh, the, i got something about a baseball that's like, wow, stat that i got to share with you. Uh, in just a little bit, but um, the other and the other thing I just put on social media, we're going to get to here in a moment, is who is going to surprise the most, and of the Jags and and that Dan that stat boy says uh, Christian Kirk because of the narrative around him. I I get you could put him in there. I, I'm not thinking that. I'm thinking more of like I love I'm a, I'm in love with Dan Arnold. <laughs> like I think, you really are. I, I think Dan Arnold could be really good. I think Ingram could really s- surprise the league. And be what everybody thought he could, especially. This seems like such a good fit, right? It's a one-year deal. It's Doug Peterson's offense. Like, that could be the guy. So uh, think about that for a couple more moments, and we'll talk more about it on the other side of who could surprise for the Jags. You could pick a defensive player if you want. I was kind of thinking more on the offensive end, but you can pick a defensive player. Who could surprise? Uh, yeah, who, who's like if you could pick one player. And it doesn't have to be stock low. Like, like I just said, Dan said uh, Kirk, because the rest of the league doesn't think he should live up. To, he's going to live up to that contract and all the rest. So he could fit in the category. I feel like he's supposed to go get 1,000 yards. So what would be surprising for Kirk? That he has 1,400 yards and 14 touchdowns? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's what he'd almost have to do for me to surprise. I think he accidentally is going to get the ball, which means he's going to get yards, which means he's going to get touchdowns. But who else on this football team? Again, either side of the ball is okay. I'd leave the lineman out of it, <laughs> unless yeah. it's a sack guy. Bro, you, took, uh, you took my lineman. <laughs> that you think is going to surprise? So maybe you can't. Maybe it's Jawan Taylor, right? Maybe you think Jawan Taylor is going to turn into like a Pro Bowler this year. Um, you never know. Fair enough. If you want to go that way. All right, it's Jacksonville Armada Day here on the show on ESPN 690, and uh, had Coach on, had Nathan Walter on. Alex Iorides is on next, the Jets Armada attacker, and he's just still less than three hours away from playing a match at Episcopal in a playoff game. Alex, thanks for joining us, man. We appreciate it. Uh, you guys must be having a heck of a lot of fun undefeated so far this season. Hey, man, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, we obviously have a lot of fun. Everybody on the team loves to win, so we're really happy to be in that position. What's the, why are you guys so good? I don't know. We just love to play. We enjoy it. We're, bu- we're a bunch of winners on the team. Uh, obviously, Tommy and Nathan did a great job recruiting good players. There is a lot of competition every day in training, but that's what makes us better. And everybody's looking forward for the games. We're going to get out there and win every week. You've played at various levels of, of soccer, of course. How mm-hmm. good is this level? How What's the talent like? And... Uh, what's the future for a lot of you players in, in terms of where you end up? Yeah, well, I played in a, in a few different levels. I played pro in Cyprus last year. Um, before that, I played in college, University of Memphis, for four, three years where I graduated. Um, I believe the level here in the NPSL is, can be compared to college level. 
Uh, obviously, there is a lot of teams. There's 95 teams uh, in the nation, so the level in each game is different. But I believe that there are some really good teams with a lot of talented players that want to play and compete through the summer and get ready for the college seasons. So the level is really, is really good. It's decent, and I believe there is a lot of talent and players from each team can make it to the next level for sure. Alex, you, uh, you're a Cyprus native. You end up at, I think you were at Coastal Carolina first, if I'm not mistaken, and then Memphis. How did you end up in Jacksonville? Yeah, so I'm um, from Cyprus, but I also have the U.S. citizenship. Uh, my freshman year, I was recruited from Coastal Carolina, and then for, the, for my last three years of college, I transferred to Memphis. Um, my associate has co- head coach in Memphis put me in touch with Jacksonville my junior year. But the NFL uh, season didn't end up um, going on in that season because of COVID. So I kept in touch with Tommy. Um, for the next season, I came and played last year after I graduated here. I uh, had a great relationship with the team, Tommy, Nathan, Richard, Santos, everyone on the team. Uh, and even though I was playing for Cyprus last year, I wanted to come back and play this season because I love the way that the team works here, the goals and ambitions that they have. And... Uh, the goal for the team is to go pro in the next couple of years, so that would be a dream for me uh, to play for the team when it goes pro. Alex, you mentioned you were here last year. You come back a little bit of unfinished business, right? You guys were in a similar position last year, number one seed. It didn't go your way in the playoffs. Uh, was part of the reason you wanted to come back to kind of right that wrong and make a deep run in the playoffs this year? Yeah, I'm for sure. Last year, um, the season ended not the way we wanted it to. Um, we made it to the playoffs, but we lost in the first round in the semifinals, uh, which is the posi- position that we are today. Uh, obviously, we're a little bit better li- this year as we're undefeated. Um, but it's the same uh, it's the same situation. It's one game at a time. So we'll focus on today's game. Hopefully, we'll be able to get a good result and then make it to the final Saturday. And we'll focus on each game at a time with the goal to make it to the national finals and hope- hopefully win the whole thing. Alex Iredi's with us here uh, from the Jacksonville Armada. He's an attacker and uh, plays in a couple hours against Pensacola in a uh, postseason match for the Jacksonville Armada here on Armada Day on ESPN uh, 690. How much pressure comes with uh, being undefeated going into the postseason and, and kind of knowing what happened last year, but you certainly have a target on your back as a team? Well, the pressure is always good. I like playing under pressure because I think it brings the best out of me. Um, the goal was to finish the regular season undefeated, which we, we managed to do, but that's only the first step. We don't feel like we achieved anything yet. We want to keep going, and the only goal that we have is to win every game, which is going to bring the bigger goal that it is winning the whole championship. And teams know that we, we play and perform every game. Every team wants to beat us, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean uh, anything. We just want to keep performing every game and keep winning because um, that's the only way we're going to succeed. When's the last time you've been back home to Cyprus? Like, do you visit quite often? And uh, uh, Sorry, keep going. No, no, go ahead. The last time I've been home was a couple of months ago, uh, before I came here for the season. So I graduated last summer from Memphis. I played for the Armada in the summer. And after the summer, I went back home, played pro for eight, uh, seven, eight months, and then came here end of April to prepare for the team. And I haven't been home since April, but... Um, obviously, I, I miss home and my family, but I love being here and playing and being part of this team, so it's all good. Is the water as uh, pretty as it looks in the pictures in Cyprus? Oh, it's even prettier, man. It's even prettier in person. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, is it a little destination? 
uh, place. Oh, it's, a, it's, a best, it's the best desti destination for the summer. If you're looking for a summer vacation, Cyprus is the place to be. What else do you tell people about? I'm sure you get that question all the time. Like, very few people know, uh, myself included, much about Cyprus. What, what do you tell folks? Well, Cyprus is a, uh, it's a pretty small island in the middle of the, of the Mediterranean uh, Sea. Um, it's very pretty. It's, uh, I'm on the Greek part of Cyprus. Cyprus, unfortunately, is um, half occupied by Turkey. So there is a Turkish Cypriot part and the Greek Cypriot part. I'm a part of the Greek Cypriot um, family of, uh, of Cyprus. So um, it's a beautiful place to be. I'm, I'm proud to be from Cyprus. Uh, I grew up my whole life there until I was 18. Then I moved to the States to play uh, soccer and study when I was in Chile and until today. Yeah, how, how's that whole process, by the way? Like, do you feel kind of right at home now, playing in the States, being in the States? Like, have you acclimated after now, what, probably uh, more than a handful of years? Have you uh, acclimated to the States? Yeah, well, at first it was a little bit tough. I was a little bit homesick maybe the first couple of weeks when I first moved to the States, but it's been four, almost five years now, and I love being here. I like the American mentality and all it has to do with sports. I also have a U.S. citizenship, which makes everything easier in terms of living here and playing soccer. Um, but I'm happy to be here, and the goal is to stay here and play football professionally. Alex, when we talk on this show about soccer, like me and Brent, I think sometimes it gets lost in the United States how big of a game soccer is. So growing up in Cyprus, like, was there was soccer the only thing? Like, was that is that a huge sport over there? Is that the only thing over there? How big was soccer in your life and in your country growing up? Well, in Cyprus and almost in every European country, uh, soccer is a religion. Like, uh, every kid um, and every family supports a team. Uh, like, they believe in their religion. It's the same way. So, it's really crazy how it is in Europe, but I think that, I think soccer in the U.S. is growing every day. Uh, like four years ago when I first came to the States, in comparison to now, there is no, um, there is a big difference in how big soccer is getting and with the World Cup coming in the States in a few years, I think that's going to bring even more exposure to soccer here. But um, the level is getting really higher in the States and uh, obviously in Europe, uh, soccer is bigger. Soccer is the biggest sport in the world, but I think it's getting there in the U.S. too. Do you like, like, now you've been to a college, right? So, I mean, you got college football with Memphis who had a good program. Do you like American football? Do you like watching it? Have you have you learned to become a fan, or, or do you just like, yeah, whatever? It took me like three, four years to understand American football rules, but <laughs> I finally I finally got it by my senior year. I enjoy watching it. There's just a lot of breaks, which makes it boring for me. It's not like a soccer game where you sit there and watch for 90 minutes. There's a lot of breaks every other second, but... I, I really enjoy watching NBA, to be honest. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, good deal. Well, yeah. hopefully if the Jags win more, it'll be more exciting to watch. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> hey, Alex, uh, we appreciate the time on a, on a match night. Good luck uh, at Episcopal tonight in the playoffs and make a deep run. Thanks for joining us for a few minutes. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. That's Alex Iredes, uh, Jackson Armada attacker, one of their top players. And uh, check them out tonight at Episcopal. Again, it's free uh, in the postseason as they hopefully go on a six-match run to Again. win uh, the championship. Really cool. Uh, it's been a fun week uh, getting to know some of these guys and their backgrounds. And, um, you know, that is a common thing, by the way, for a lot of folks that grew up around soccer. Yeah. You know, in other parts of the country. Sure. I'm out of the world. 
that they say about American sport or other sports in general, not maybe just football, is the amount of breaks. Yeah. And and that soccer never stops. And that's the wild thing about the – like, I didn't understand it for a while, but now that I appreciate soccer and I like it, like, I get it, but people would say, like, oh, soccer's boring. It's like they don't go to commercial. Like, the alternative is we're watching Colgate commercials. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're at least still trying to formulate an attack and do something. It might not be the most exciting to watch, but the alternative is McDonald's commercial for two and a half. Are minutes. they the only, is soccer the only sport that does that? So I don't, I think, well, tennis. Well, but they still take breaks. Yeah. Well, here's the one I don't know because I don't watch it on TV, but I don't think there's a break is cricket. Yeah, that's a good call. I don't, I don't think I don't, they stop. Yeah, I, they might not stop. But tennis, like if you go on a, you know, a, a what's it called? Rally. Rally. Like, they're not going to go to break until you the, someone gets the point or like the wins the game. Well, right? yeah, the, but the, the only time they go to break in tennis there is a break like every third game, right? Yeah. Or the odd games. No, is it every third game? I know there's a sixth game. What is it? Where they go? They take a seat. Yeah, they do. Yeah, well, it's I'm not saying just in between sets. So it's way more. I mean, it's way longer between breaks than like college football. Yeah, yeah, that's football. Fair. That's fair. There are a lot of breaks. I mean, it's just commercialized so yeah. much. Uh, in now, but, but my point being is, most sports do take a break of some kind. Yes. Like there is a timeout in there. Yeah, I mean NASCAR is pretty close. Like the broadcast well, goes to break. Actually, that's a very good call. NASCAR is one. But yeah, but that's another sport where your commercials are on your your person. Yeah. Soccer, they're wearing logos, and they've got, you know what I mean? Yeah. NASCAR's the same thing. It's on the car. Fair enough. Maybe they should just never stop in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, you're getting paid enough. <laughs> Base, I, I don't stop. think baseball should stop. You have to, like, listen, if you're going to pay $300 million, bro, sprint out there, and if you're there before the batter's in the box, you can throw strikes to them. But yeah. Yeah. I, I actually, well, you know, I've, I've said this. I don't understand why we're throwing between outfielders in baseball. Oh, it's the worst. Like, yeah. I honestly, I'll say this about, like, watching softball over even, like, youth baseball. Like, Kaylee goes out there and she throws, like, three warm-up pitches and boom, goes. I mean. In baseball, it's like eight. It's like, how many you got to throw? Literally. Like, that's the thing. I, I didn't pitch in the majors, right? But I pitched at a somewhat high level. And I never once even slightly gripped the ball in a warm-up pitch. Like, I just, I'm like, all right, let's go. Like, I'm fine. Yeah. Ten minutes ago, I just threw 30 pitches last inning. So yeah. I'm still warm, believe it or I'm not. okay. Let's play. I know. And there's so much that factors into the psyche of that. Like, we've created these, like, things in baseball where, like, oh, he's been on the bench for a long time. He might get cold. Like, yeah. all this stuff. It's like, oh, I mean, what's, eight, what, what's the difference eight pitches going to make in between innings? Well, and that's the thing. If we're so worried about pitch count, you pitch six innings, that's yeah. eight. You know what I mean? That's that many more pitches. I used to mess around and try to throw a knuckleball in warm-ups, which probably ruined the whole inning. Because, like, I'd seriously go out there and just, like, ch I'd throw, like, six pass balls and warm-ups. They'd be like, what are you doing? Yeah. But I think I a lot of people do that now, too, is not just that, but I think they don't want to reveal what they have in between innings. Oh, yeah. Because everybody's watching. Yeah. You throw nothing that moves. Yeah. I mean, unless your knuckleball's nasty. One or two. I mean. <laughs> you can psych them all out. Uh, all right. Uh, we will uh, take a break. When we come back, I got two things out there. One, I'm going to share this. I think this nugget of knowledge that I'm about to share is fascinating. goes back to Colorado, by the way. Okay. But it's a, it's a crazy stat to punctuate a little bit of our Colorado conversation. So you're going to continue to pound home the point that Colorado sucks? No, nah, I did not say Colorado sucks. You I, said it was boring. It, it, was, it was more boring than I thought it was going to be. You said that you'd rather go to Idaho. I remember that part. <laughs> I think I would, actually. I think I'd rather try Idaho. Uh, and the other thing is... You and Milson. Most... The, the biggest surprise player on the Jags. Who would you buy? Like, you only get one pick. Who are you taking 
for the biggest surprise of 2022 season. Uh, and uh, you can pick anybody if you want, but I think you got to come at this from the probably a good point of view, right? Like Brandon Sheriff can't be your biggest surprise. Shall he? <laughs> we'll be back. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. This is the deal for Miami to make. I spent a lot of time in the postseason with the Heat. They got bogged down offensively. It was either Jimmy Butler or nothing. Donovan Mitchell would take pressure off of Jimmy, and he would get the offense to move a little bit more. What's even more crucial, you don't have to give up as much to get Donovan Mitchell as you potentially would for Kevin Durant. So Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, a boatload of picks. Whatever it takes for Miami to get Mitchell, that makes a lot of sense. Mm. What is that? Sounds familiar to me. Play for the Heat? I don't think you're getting it. I'm going to go way back machine. I don't think this is him, but I'm just going to say it anyway. Okay. Like, I don't think, I'm going to say this isn't a regular contributor. Hold on. I got before, I got to do something before I, hold on. You're not. Okay. I know. uh, Hang with me. Sure thing. Um, We're hanging with you. Right here on ESPN 690. Action Sports Jacks. Brad Martineau looking things I just up. wanted to make sure that he was like, I'm not going to say something that would be super outlandish. Okay. Uh, was that Alonzo Mourning? That was Nick Friedel. Dang it. Ooh. Yeah, he's a writer. <laughs> I, was, I just wanted to let you go. Hmm. Listen, it I thought was, it was a player. Did he say he played for the Heat? Maybe he said he wrote for the Heat. Yeah, he covered the Heat. Oh. Yeah. I don't know. We were having a conversation four seconds before I needed sound. I grabbed the first one. Yeah, I was never getting him. I know. I told you. Sports. Hmm. Hmm. Most surprising Jaguars player in 2022 is going to be who? Evan Ingram. I really like that pick. What am I like? I mean, I I think there's always been potential with Evan Ingram. Something always happens. He gets hurt. Daniel Jones becomes his quarterback. Something dumb always happens with Evan Ingram. He's had the potential. It's time to figure out if he's actually talented or if the potential just never equated. I guess you could say Trevor Lawrence is the guy to bring it out of him for my money. Trevor and Doug, really. Trevor and Doug, yeah, good call there. And I just think when you look at, like, the other guys on offense, like, Kirk is probably an easy answer there. But like, No, I don't think he is. I, he I don't think Kirk fits in this. Like, Kirk doesn't fit in there. Like, he has to do it. Like, that's not right. – he'd be, he'd be maybe, like, a disappointment, but, like – yeah. Again, he can have a thousand yards, five, six touchdowns, and eighty catches, and you're not surprised by that. Like he has to do that. That's True. what they just paid him to do. But if Evan Ingram's bad, isn't that a disappointment too? It's a one-year, nine million dollar thing well, sure, where the Giants that. gave up on him. Like I, get that. I don't. Yeah, All I don't right. think so. Well, I, I think I think Ingram's the answer. And and what the thing is, so when I say surprising though, Casey, like if Ingram's the answer, and I look at Evan Ingram's best year. So far in his career, I'm saying like, and I've got 64 catches, a couple times for 700 plus yards, yeah, and six touchdowns. He's got to be better than that. I'm thinking 750 and eight. Yeah, like 750 would catches. be good, and the catches would be around 70, 70 plus or something yeah. like that. Like, hey, really, that'd be that'd be good. Like, obviously, he's coming the, off 46, 403. Daniel Jones, bro. Uh, I think you obviously have to be the number one tight end. You don't have to be the best tight end in the league, but I think 750 and 8 is respectable. I think when you think of Evan Ingram and the talent he has, that's not 
an outlandish possibility. You get the right quarterback, you get the right system. I think by the end of the season, he's unquestionably the number one. I don't know where they're going to start. I know you like Dan Arnold. I don't know how they feel. But I think by the end of the season, Evan Ingram is a reliable target for Trevor Lawrence. Here, here's the deal. What I think you want is you want Evan Ingram getting a major deal in 2023. Mm-hmm. And if that happened, then he did really well. Yes. And he's surprised. And, again, I think that would be a surprise. By the way, I think there is a defensive candidate here. This is a guy we talked about way back. I think it was right before the draft was after free agency. Is a guy like Arden Key. Yeah. Like, he could play into a surprise role for the Jacks. Like, he really could. Like, you could bank on that, too. What is he, 24 years old or something, coming off a pretty nice season with the Raiders, I believe it was. So, um, that would be good. But one more thing on, on real quick on Evan Ingram. Okay. Like, Ingram's been, like, like okay. Like, he, he, I'm going to give you guys – it feels like such a disappointment, but I'm going to give you somebody like Evan Ingram's done this a couple of times, like 60 catches for 700 yards in that neighborhood. And that's like 10.8 a, a catch, which these other guys have been a little bit higher than that. But Dawson Knox. Love him. Last year was 49 catches, 587. In 15 games. That surprises me, actually. That's it. Like Gronk was 55 for 800. Hunter Henry was 50 for 600. Dallas Goddard was 56 for 830. Hunter Henry, though, was a lot of touchdowns, right? Hunter Henry, I think, had, he had nine of them. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, so did Dawson Knox. That's what it was. So that's the thing. Yeah. That's the ticket. But Red zone target. But that, I mean, doesn't that surprise you based on name versus numbers? Don't you think it would be a little higher? Yes, probably. I think you're right there. But I think in terms of Ingram, like those guys – when I think of Gronk, I think of red zone. I don't really think of Dawson Knox that way. But when I think of Ingram, I think of athletic, get him in space type tight end. I don't really think throw it up in the red zone and go get it. Yeah. Maybe he is that guy, and I just don't realize it. But when I think of Ingram, like I know there's some speed there. You can get him the ball, let him break a tackle and make a play. I don't think of prototypical toss it up, Gronk will get it. I'll give you a couple other guys, okay? Dalton Schultz. 78 catches, 800 yards, 8 touchdowns. That surprises me. So, So if he did that. Which, by the way, he's come close to that mm-hmm. in his career. He's been multiple times, like 60-plus catches, 700-ish yards, and six touchdowns. If he does that, he'd be like third in the NFL in tight ends, yeah. or at least in the converse, somewhere between like three and eight, something like that. I mean, that's pretty damn good. There are only two guys over 1,000 yards, Kelsey and Mark Andrews. Yeah. And Andrews had 100 million catches, mm-hmm. 107 to be exact, but it feels like 100 million versus what everybody else had. Yeah. I mean, he had 107 catches. That's 15 more than Kelsey, who's second most, it looks like. And that's, if Dalton Schultz is third most catches, that's 29 more than Dalton Schultz. That's how many catches Mark Andrews had. They got nobody else, though. In that offense, which seems just nuts. Uh, But I guess the moral of the story is, oh, Kyle Pitts, by the way, had a lot of yards. uh, Yards per reception was really good. He was over 1,000 yards. That'll go down, though, Um, with Mariota. I mean, to really get in the – like, he could easily be a top 12 tight end in the NFL this year. He sh- what? Top 12. He should be tw- top 12. But on a one-year $9 million deal where it feels like he's the narrative around him is much worse. Yeah, I agree with that. You know? Like, the national – like, he, he went to New York and didn't do well, so that's, like, a tough thing to rebound from. But he has the opportunity to make himself a lot more than $9 million. He absolutely does. But, I mean, I'm not – out of line here. Top twelve is an expectation. No, you don't think? Yeah, I think it. I think it can be. I think it can be. But I think a, a lot of. I think Giants. If he ends up as a top 
12, 10 to 12 receiver. I think Giants fans would call that a surprise. Maybe. Right? Yeah. The way Giants fans are about him. And, sure. And so I think that's a fair – I mean, he was 23rd last year in terms of some of the listings of stats. Uh, and uh, that was in 15 games. So, yeah, I think being a top 12, top 10 guy would be a pretty big jump. That's a, that's a big jump than, than where he's been. Uh, just very interesting. I think the big key here is he only had three touchdowns last year. I think the key is getting between seven, eight, nine touchdowns. Mm-hmm. If you can get in that, it's almost like the yards and the catches don't matter if you get eight, nine touchdowns. Well, that's, All these yeah. guys that you, you would say, like, oh, they were really good, Hunter Henry, that's what I was Dawson about Knox. Henry. 600 yards and nine touchdowns, sign me up. Yeah, the nine touchdowns is key. Yeah, uh, And, you know, he might lead the team in, res- in touchdowns receiving. That's fine. If he gets to nine, he might. I mean, I don't necessarily expect if they're on the seven for Christian Kirk to be the guy going across the middle and get his head taken off. You know, we got bigger-bodied guys that you want to look for in that yeah. scenario. Now, I'd say this had the same conversation, and I think there's room for Dan Arnold to be in this conversation. Bro, you love, I love Dan Arnold. But I think the reason, one of the reasons I love Dan Arnold is because I've seen few guys jump off the screen and look different than me, to me, like as they're playing. His speed showed up in such a way last year when he came on the field. I was like, damn, that's good. Like, he's a weapon for them. Like, he seriously is somebody that they can really mismatch and utilize. And at the time, they didn't really have much else to do that with. Now, Ingram might be in that same, like, Ingram's a mismatch because he's not really a tight end. He's more of a receiver. And, but I do think people are sleeping on Arnold because I think they forget because he was gone the last, like, six games of last year, and they got Ingram and they got all these other players. Well, I think a prime candidate to surprise people would be Arnold. Well, and both these guys, there's room for that in, in, uh, in Peterson's offense to surprise. Keep in mind, go back to the Philly days. You're not looking at receivers having career years. You're looking at tight ends really contributing in that offense. So this is probably a bad example. I thought his stats were a little bit better. But we talked about Henry, whatever it was, 609 touchdowns. So Johnny Smith, who I thought was better, 294 and a touchdown. So we expect Dan Arnold to be better than that as a second tight end. Yeah, I mean, listen, just alone last night, uh, last year, he had 35 catches, 400 yards. Problem is, he had no touchdowns. Yeah. Remember, he dropped that one ball down near the goal line. But yeah, uh, he was mad about it. Uh, I thought Johnny Smith would have better stats as like a second. I was trying to find a, a good, like, number two tight end. That's good. Play. Yeah, that was good. But well, he your, disappointed. Oh, yeah, 100%. But to your point, maybe 400 yards and two, three touchdowns or is five. See, if he's got five and Ingram has eight, like, I hear you great, but come on. I think that could easily happen. You want me to do my numbers again? No, I don't want you to do your numbers again, but Jags, like, we got to see it first. Listen, Trevor's going to throw for over 25 touchdowns this year. So there's there's something going around. 12 minus, yeah, I know. I would be happy. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying. And I think you could have a tight end on this team lead the team in touchdown receptions. You probably should. Looking at... I mean, how many times is ETN going to break a 40-yarder? You're well, not yeah. going to throw it to ETN on the four if you're at the Yeah, four. I would say receiving touchdowns, yeah. That's what I'm getting at. Like, you, your tight end probably should when you don't have a DK Metcalf. Yeah. Like, who are you throwing it up to in the red zone? Tight end, likely. Go get it. You're not doing that to Christian Kirk. No, probably not. No offense, Kirk. But, but hey, break six of them, and then we'll, <laughs> we'll readjust. <laughs> All right. Uh, so there you go. Surprises uh, potentially. I, I think there are a lot of candidates here for the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? Uh, we didn't have a lot of surprises in a good way last year. I mean, really, if you go back and ask this question last year, you're talking about 
Tyson I think, Campbell. I think Tyson Campbell is really the only player that really fits. The, this guy was surprisingly good. And, and really what you do on that is not based on the second-round pick, but you do it based on the first half of the year. He got a lot better yeah. by the second half of the year. And that was maybe more of a surprise. But really, as a second-round pick, a 33rd overall pick, he probably should perform to some degree, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the Jags had very little... Wow, that guy did better than I thought last year. That's how yeah. bad last season was. I mean, very. I mean, few, I, I mean, I'm not just sure. I mean, maybe some like leveled out, but I would say most dropped worse than you thought they'd do last year. Yeah, I mean, I can't really come up with. I mean, Dan Arnold when we got him. Yeah. When we got Dan Arnold, we were like, great. Yeah, for like six games. Yeah. So like, we got one and a half dudes. We can. <laughs> it's easy to point to the dudes that, you know, disappointed. All right, we'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. I will leave you with my uh, stat that's going to boggle your mind before we go to Action Sports Jacks OT. That's coming up with Casey Curtis and Brian Middleton here on a Wednesday. It's Jacksonville Armada Day. Don't forget, they play at 8 o'clock at Episcopal. And as Casey would like to say, it is F-R-E-E. That spells free, baby. Free. We'll be right back. It's free here, too, on ESPN 690. Always. You should earn it first, and then after that, uh, you know, it is free country. And I think the Supreme Court, when they passed the uh, NIL rules and so forth, I think they meant that, hey, after a player's done very well at his school and he's got a chance to go make some money, uh, he's entitled to do that. But uh, now they've turned it into, well, here's what we're going to get you if you disown with us. Uh, but not all schools are doing it. Just, I don't know the exact number that are giving a whole bunch of money up front, uh, but several are. That's Steve Spurrier talking about NIL. Had a recent article about NIL and how much people were making. Uh, maybe we'll pull that out toward the end of the week. Uh, NIL cons- continues to be pretty interesting, although I think we hear headlines about how much these kids are making. It's not like across the board. Right. <laughs> it certainly is not. I think it's very minuscule uh, what it boils down to. Brent Martineau along with Casey Kurtz here on a Wednesday. Jacksonville Armada Day. I think I said 8 o'clock match, but 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock match at... Uh, Episcopal, So that's coming up in just uh, an hour in the playoffs. And uh, check that one out against Pensacola. Open championship picks coming up in just a moment. And I about that. Yeah, you did. You might want to look that up. No, I'm not ready. You already know. I already know. How many golf blogs have you written in this few. week? Yeah, a few. I got one more to do, actually. Uh, how many do you do a week? Uh, it depends. Why don't you promote that ever on here? Uh, because I don't, I don't know. Short answer. Uh, well, it's on my Twitter, at Kurtz. Um, because I don't get paid per, like, view. I get per, paid per the amount of ones I do. Okay. So if zero people read it, I get the same as if 2,000 people read it. I see. Um, but I do, my favorite part is when I'm right, I like to go back after the event. I'm like, ha, ah, I told you. <laughs> Show. Um, all right, here we go. Ready? Uh, yeah. This thing, this, this is fascinating. So I get this stuff from Bet Online like all the time, these emails. And somebody says, a fun study, not a, tracking resu- uh, a shocking result. Uh, s- science proves that objects travel farther in thin- thinner air. So tracking which team has hit the most 450-foot home or more home runs over the last seven years, the answer is obviously Colorado. Okay. Okay. I'm with you. They have hit 99 home runs, okay, in the last seven years totaling 450 feet or more. Second place, you know how many it is? I'm going to guess like 60-something. 
46. The drop-off is from 99 to 46. So I actually thought about this the other night when they were That's talking. the Yankees, by the way. Of course it is. Um, I forget who they were talking about. Oh, I was watching the, the Rockies game, and I was like, why would you not go there? Or why would you ever leave? Like Trevor Story, why did he leave? Yeah. You know Good what I mean? Point. Like when you go get in the Hall of Fame, they're going to bring it up. But the first part of the sentence is when you go get in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's a really good point. Like you're going to smack. Like I'm not mad at Todd Helton for never leaving. He was raking. Yeah, it's real. It's true. And, and it's, it's just amazing. I'll give you one, all right, one other part of this that's fascinating to me is uh, let's see. What is, where is it? Oh, uh, long home runs do not equate to most home runs. The Rockies ranked 16th in total homers during that same time frame. 16. So, so if you hand it to new. And they hit 53 more over 450 feet. That's bad. Like, the, that is just insane. That's so weird. It, it really is playing a different game in Colorado. It really is. But I'm telling you, man, more guys got to go to Colorado. But apparently, according to Brent Martineau, it's a boring city, so that's why people don't go there. <laughs> There's no not, nightlife. I, I knew you, you take things to such extremes. You're such today's person. Like, every time somebody says and something, that, it has to be like... This or that? No, I'm just saying what you said. You said it's boring. It's more boring than I thought it was. That's what I said. You said I'd rather go to Idaho. That's fine. I did. There's more to do in Idaho, I think. <sighs> All right. Um, who's winning the Open Championship? Brian, got, who? Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm going to just have real fun with this. Okay. And I'm going to say I love the Max Homa stuff. Okay. Max I'm going to say Max Homa is going to win the... Open championship. Wow. He's going to be out of his mind and what a story it would be. That would be cool. That would be a really cool story. Wife is pregnant as well. Be because cool. it, it, check out all the Max Homa, Tiger Woods stuff. Like him playing with Tiger Woods. It's, yeah. He's a great personality. Everybody know. I think people who follow golf know that. Um, so that could be really fun. Brent, it's time. It is time. It's been a long time coming. Rory McIlroy wins the Open Championship. Yeah, you are chalking it up. That a boy. Hey. That's how I see it. Since 2014. Yeah. Since he won a major. Is it really chalk? I'm not picking Scotty Scheffler. I don't like Scheffler. By the way, based off the Scottish Open, I don't like Scheffler this week. No. I like that. I I really like like the Rory situation. It sets up well for him. I think he wins, and that's back-to-back majors for me. I go back, do some backwards math. I call Steph. I send her the books. I double-check it, and then we find out I pulled the comeback of all comebacks and win the FedEx Cup. Don't be surprised, by the way, if Jordan Spieth wins it. And I, I know like he's that. like a higher favorite. I like but, that. But it doesn't feel like he's won in a while. Like, doesn't yeah, he feel like a favorite, but he'll play well over here now. You watch. I like it. Yeah. All right. The Action Sports Jacks OT coming up next. Casey Kurtz, Brian Middleton. It was Jackson Armada Day. We appreciate our guests. Good luck to the Armada tonight at Episcopal 7 o'clock match for free. Go check them out against Pensacola. And uh, tomorrow it will be Edward Waters University Day yes, here sir. on ESPN 690. I'll see you on TV tonight, CBS 47, Fox 30. Have a good one, everybody.